1: You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. This program is designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program is a production of Bride Ministries, and you can find us at www.bridemovement.com and at www.thefireplacechurch.org. Now, folks, at Bride Ministries, we are always casting vision and always looking Into the future, always saying what we are planning to execute. And we have come a long way, folks. We began this ministry, which wasn't really a we, it was an I began this ministry with Jesus in 2000, and I believe it was 2009, with an email that I sent out to about 20 people. And all it was was, a Bible study lesson that I wrote down and emailed. I Half the people on that initial email list didn't even get asked permission. <laughs> Would you like to be on our ministry email list? Nope. Nope. You just got stuck on there, just added random people. I'm like, yeah, I think they'll enjoy this. And just sent off a letter and started doing it on a weekly basis. Small beginnings. But uh, that has grown into what we have now, which is Bride Ministries... Discovering the Truth with Dan DeVall podcast. We are helping survivors of satanic ritual abuse and government-sponsored mind control projects. We have a team of DID coaches we are assembling and moving forward in vision to help more and more survivors, ultimately getting to the point where we are launching a DID coaching school to train people around the world. We have the Fireplace Church, which is a first-of-its-kind internet-based ministry service that offers a platform that allows not only for worship and teaching, but also the development of real community by hosting moderated discussion groups with volunteers that have graduated uh, into that by attending our discipleship groups and we have four of those grace in christ spiritual warfare the kingdom and those are running periodically eight week courses that are designed to empower you and equip you with strength and fire and passion for jesus Uh, folks uh, we have uh, published books and uh, done, you know, in some international speaking, you know, everything is just blossom. God has blessed. We we continue to grow. And as we continue to grow, uh, God continues to bring more and more. And, and we're always casting vision because whatever we establish, it's just like, yeah, this is great. But we are part of a kingdom. And every kingdom has what I call an expansion agenda. That God wants to expand his influence into the earth. And he uses his people to do it. And he gives us his vision for that expansion. And what we do is we plug into Jesus. We plug into God. And we are receiving ideas and wisdom for expansion. Expanding influence. And we're going after it, folks. We are really, really going after it. And I just want to say... For all that we are doing, it, it comes with a, a cost. And man, we, we we have just seen the provision of God like you can't believe. Folks, we spent over $30,000 establishing thefireplacechurch.org. Over $30,000. We're talking equipment, bought and purchased, plane tickets. We're talking, uh, you know, we, we had to pay sound people and videographers and musicians. And we had to buy, uh, you know, programs and green screen stuff and and, and pay web developers to design the website. I did not build that myself, folks. That was designed by professionals at thefireplacechurch.org. I mean, we invested quite a bit. And from the very beginning, the vision was to create something that did not appear like it was ragtag, just thrown together, shoestring budget. No, we wanted world class from day one. And uh, we did it by faith. Do you know that we spent over $30,000 in cash? There was no debt on that. No debt at all. Not only did we spend that on just the, the, you know, establishing this huge project, we continued to help the survivors our ministry has committed to without, um, you know, cutting anyone out that we hadn't made financial commitments to. We didn't have to cut our budget to make this happen. We simply believed God. And saw the provision of the Lord come through. Guess what? You guys, you those of you that listen to this program, those of you that follow Bride Ministries, you have stepped up. You, I mean, in just such incredible ways. And my mind—it's—it's still—I'm blown away by. The generosity that you guys have shown us as a ministry, and and how you guys have bought into the vision that we are running after, and now I'll tell you what—we're not done yet, folks. There's so much more that we are going to springboard into, and I—I—I'm I, just thanking God. I'm thanking God for His provision. I'm thanking God for you guys. I'm thanking God for the message of His kingdom, and I just want to remind you, if you are. Or have been thinking about supporting Bride ministries it 's very easy uh, you just go to one of our websites bridemovement.com, com the uh, fireplacechurch. org and press the button that that's simple but we have all this vision and, and and we continue to expand what we are doing through those things we 've produced you know we're continually looking for how to enhance the uh, FireplaceChurch org now that it is up and running and working we are continually looking for ways to um, expand influence in, in, into into other uh, components of our vision, and folks. What I didn't say is that we are we still looking for this media studio thing. I mean that that's moving forward. And I'll tell you what. One of the other things I'm really excited about is that it. it well, there's going to be some more travel in the future for me, and 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 more exciting things happening. Specifically, in the area, I believe, of actually going into regions, re- regions with the purpose of expanding the territory of the kingdom into the spirit realm. Not so much with uh, conferences and conventions per se to get you know people excited, uh, but more j- literally attacking uh, the powers of the heavens. That that seems to be where things are going. Um, some travel will be required. I think we saw the beginnings at Montauk, and if you guys haven't heard that program that I recorded with Elena, one of the survivors that you support, um, who has been healing and has seen the the most awesome things of God, Uh, I believe that that was a beginning of of a lot more to come. And so, you know, we are really, really excited about everything that God is is bringing, and we, we are continuing to expand our team. Uh, at Bride Ministries, bring more people on board, more volunteers, more uh, people that are actually going to be paid working with us. Folks, I I just want to say, you know, we we are definitely going places. I'm excited, and I'm excited that you're with us. Today, we are going to be talking about one of those that many of you are actually familiar with. Her name, Nikki. She is my administrative assistant. She's also a survivor, and I'll tell you what, her story, the things she's seen, witnessed, experienced, all I'm going to say is, you are invited to bring a pillow and set it on your lap because your jaw will appreciate it at it. because when you know your jaw hits the floor it can be kind of discomforting G- give your jaw a little pillow you know a little it's help there be- because this is going to be another one of those programs where it's kind of like uh what and then you might have to rewind and i'll tell you what and you are really going to enjoy this episode of discovering the truth with dan devall so without any further ado we'll be back with nikki in just a minute you're listening to discovering the truth with dan devall <laughs> Today, we are going to be having an incredible conversation. I'm so excited because many of you that have been following Bride Ministries, Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall, and have had communications with us, know a very, very special person. Her name is Nikki, and she is my administrative assistant. And folks, if you've gotten an email from Nikki, you know that she is probably one of the best emailers on the planet What a blessing she is. And you know what else? Nikki just so happens to have one of the most incredible stories you can imagine. She's also a survivor. And I'll tell you what, today she is joining the ranks of the the number of survivors that have come on my program to tell their story and elements of what they have seen and heard. And I... I just applaud each and every one of them, and I'll tell you what, I applaud Nikki for her bravery in coming on my program today to share with us. Nikki, welcome to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall.
2: Thanks, Daniel. Thanks.
1: It's so glad. It's so good to have you on this program, Nikki, and this has actually been a long time coming, you know, and I'll tell you what, uh, for those of you that don't know, which is just about anyone listening to this program... I met Nikki not as someone I was looking to hire or to, or to bring into the organization. I met Nikki as someone that was simply looking for help. And she was trying to find a solution to recover from dissociative identity disorder as a result of the things that she had been through. And so, uh, The way it happened, her housemate Sally had first found me and told her about me and got us in touch and we talked and began shortly thereafter to work together. But unfortunately, the financial situation was not quite working out. And so in an attempt to continue what we had begun. Uh, God had an idea. (laughs) He told me, Daniel, you need to bring Nikki on as your administrative assistant. And I'll tell you what, folks, initially, I was kind of shocked. And I said, God, are you sure? Because, you know, she's reaching out for help, not for a job. (laughs) And God said, Daniel, I got this. This right here is a blessing. And he was right. And so Nikki became my administrative assistant, and I'll tell you what, the exchange was we worked together while she manned the email and, well, the rest is history. But, you know, Nikki, I just want to get started here. What was that whole initial getting in touch with me and beginning a process of working through your own healing journey like from your perspective?
2: Well, it was pretty exciting, Daniel. I um, had left a position um, that I had been in for uh, quite a few years. Um, This is going back, we're talking right now about May of 2000, or late April of 2015. So um, I had left my last job um, the beginning of July of 2014 because I needed... A major surgery and um, I just wasn't um, doing well at all in my position. I managed a medical office and um, just due to physical limitations and just um, being mentally exhausted, it was time for me to take some time for me. So, I was financially struggling and not knowing where I was going to go um, and Sally talked with you and You were talking about how your ministry was growing and, you know, you were having trouble keeping up with everything on your own. And she said, well, I know this person who's a great administrator. And so she kind of hooked us up. And it was so cool because I really had been looking for years for someone who could help me. And um, conventional counseling just was not the ticket because to get into deeper roots of spiritual connections and so on um, a person needs to have that understanding and also someone needs to have the gift to you know see and discern and so you were that person and so you were a blessing just from that right there and so Sally um, kind of applied for me if you will (laughs) and you and I talked and God said take a chance on her Daniel and uh, so you did and then you started counseling me also in May. And um, I began working for Bride Ministries shortly thereafter. And it's been absolutely wonderful. It gave me a sense of purpose. Um, I felt like I felt aimless ever since I had left my position. And um, I felt blessed that God trusted me to be a part of something so important. And um, it's that, like you said, it's been history ever since. And then, you know, so I worked for you guys just on a you know volunteer and basically you know you were ministering to me and i was giving you guys something back by offering my services and then praise the lord you guys were able to actually take me on as an employee in january and now i have an income whereas before i was going lord can i keep my house can i keep my car and what am I going to do? And now I have, like, the best job ever, Aww. and I'm still getting healing. So I, uh, you know, I never would have imagined that God was going to take me um, in this direction.
1: I'll, I'll tell you what. Um, and, folks, like I said, and Nikki is one of the, just the best. Her emails, I, I'll tell you what, if you've gotten one, you've been impressed. It, 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 this is the way <laughs> it is. You know, and, and so— But, man, Nikki, do you have fascinating experiences. And, of course, we are working through a lot of things. And so there's a lot of holes, a lot of gaps, a lot of pieces of your story we don't know. There's Mm -hmm. a a lot that we do. And we're going to be getting into the things that we do know today, which, folks, get ready. This this is going to be another program that will probably leave your jaw on the floor Thank you, Jesus. Um, (laughs) We love to destroy the strongholds of religion on discovering the truth with Dan Duvall and push the reality of what God has designed in the mechanics of the spirit, intimacy with him, true relationship. Nikki, I I want to get started on some of the early memories that you have in your life. You grew up in a house that was not the cleanest spiritual atmosphere can Mm -hmm. you tell us some of what you remember some of what you saw and some of what you endured during those early years of your life before you were five all the way up into your teenage years
2: yes yes thank you daniel um actually all of this started um i can remember having some scary nightmares even when I was in my crib, and um, as a child, um, I kept a dream journal, and um, I kept a detailed dream journal until I was in my early 20s, and then I stopped because, you know, it all began to be repeat, Um, but I know it all by heart, but some of it were, you know, were dreams, and some of it was actually spiritual things that happened in my home, but um, the spiritual activity really picked up when I was probably about uh, three. And um, we lived in this particular home from 3 until I was 5, and then my family, we moved to a brand new house that my father built, and um, I was 5 years old when we moved there, and my parents still live there, and that's where the majority of things, these things happened. And um, I was a very tormented child. I had night terrors continually um i would say at least uh three nights a week i would run screaming from my bedroom um i felt like my room was haunted although i couldn't quite you know identify it and um, i literally moved out of my bedroom into my sister's room when i was about uh, 10 my room felt evil to me um some of the things that happened in the home i would uh see shadows and things hear loud noises um, mm-hmm. when I was little, I would say maybe it really escalated when I reached about eight or nine. My sister's two years younger than me, so she was, you know, six or seven. We would come home from school, and um, there was one room upstairs, and there would be such a loud slamming noise in that room. It would—it sounded like someone lifted a dresser up above their head and dropped it on the floor. It was so heavy and louder to make the chandelier shake uh, downstairs which was right in the dining room area. So my sister and I would take turns standing at the bottom of the stairs looking up because you know with the angle of the house we could see up the stairs and around the corner to where that room was and we thought well if something comes running out um, you know, the other one would give the other one the heads up. So one of us would be able to watch cartoons after school while one kept watching, we'd rotate. And, you know, we had determined that if something happened, we were just going to run out the back door. So we did that for years. We'd talk to our parents and they, you know, would say, well, you know, they would minimize and, you know, come up with any other excuses they could find. We don't hear that, um, whatever it was. So we lived very, very fearfully. Um, so
1: just to, just to get this straight it was like someone was dropping boulders upstairs and it was just brushed under the rug of proverbial conversation, you know, just...
2: It was, yes. And, you know, it wasn't something that could be explained away because the chandelier would shake. So it's pretty heavy when the chandelier shakes in the dining room, you know, and it was consistent. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um... I saw one night um, a spirit in my sister's room, and shortly thereafter she um, developed cancer. I don't know if there was any connection to that or not, but um, her room was directly across from mine, and um, I got up one time in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, and I walked out of my door, and I saw this black thing. Now. Um, She had a nightlight, and the nightlight was right below her bedroom window. There's a white curtain there, and so the light would shine up on the curtain. And so I saw this black silhouette, um, but it was not see-through. It was solid as though you could touch it, but it was just like you took and, you know, cut out black construction paper in the shape of a form. I mean, it it was not see-through at all. And it looked as though it had, like, a collar. I would imagine that it, like, had a cape on Um, because it looked like there were two points up by the neck, and the other thing that was odd is it looked like it had on a three-pointed hat, something like maybe Paul Revere would wear. I know that sounds really weird, but that was the shape that was on the head area, and this thing looked to be maybe about, um, I don't know, six and a half feet tall. That's hard to say, and I remember blinking and thinking, it's not there, and blinking, and I thought, gosh, am I imagining this, and it lifted up Something to its mouth. It tipped its head back and it lifted something up, and I thought it's like drinking from a bottle. I, I didn't quite understand that. Um, then it was like it became aware of me. It turned its head real quick and looked at me, and its eyes squinted. And it's like its neck came forward a bit and had blood red eyes, solid red eyes, and it sneered. Well, I ran as fast as I could. And of course, my typical to my parents' room. You know, probably screaming like a banshee, and I spent the night on the floor in my parents' room. Um, the next thing I remember is it's the next day and I hear my mom and my sister arguing and, um, my mom said that my sister, uh, did not put her trumpet away. She played trumpet, uh, for the band. And I think my sister was in sixth grade. So I was in seventh and, um, you know, it was out, her case was open and the trumpet was out of her case and just sitting, you know, skewed on top of it. And, um, My sister swore no she had put it away and what came back to me now I don't know if this was it but I remembered that creature holding up that thing to its mouth and it was about the size of a trumpet now I don't know whether it had her trumpet up and I don't know why it would do that if it did but um, it was interesting that her trumpet was out but that creature was real and then um, several months later my sister was diagnosed with um, lymphobastic lymphoma and she went through years of chemo and radiation. Um, so I don't know if there's a connection there, but he was in our house. Um, our house was built on Indian uh, territory. It's out in the country in northeastern Indiana. And um, we've had people come out who wanted to survey the land. It has a lot of... And, and that, I don't know if it's this way with Native American territories all throughout the U.S., but in this area... Um, There'd be a lot of um, like um, snake-shaped mounds that would go for miles. And the area that I am from is just, you know, full of that. And so we've had um, even people come out who are, um, I don't know, the ghost detector is the right word, but come out and want to do readings. And I've asked my dad, can I do readings on your property? And people come over with planes to look down to see. Um, you know to check out the shapes and the and so on because my parents own a lot of land with a creek and a deep woods and so on. So you know I don't know if a lot of the activity was tied to, you know, just, you know, the land itself or we or if we brought it with us because oh after my. we got to my parents' house I took it with me. So I don't know. You know it, it was probably with a combo of both.
1: Wow. Um, okay. So it was so bad that ghost hunters were vying for an opportunity to investigate the region you lived in, where you house yes. was. Mm-hmm.
0: It, yes. Okay.
2: They didn't know my personal experience, uh-huh. but they knew the area and they had surveyed you know, through the air and thought, wow, there's got to be something here. And so they asked if they could come and survey the land.
1: You know, and, and folks, this is why we have these conversations on Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall, because the reality is, The church, the people of God, the children of the Most High are the ones that should be offering the world solutions to problems like this. Instead, we have our heads in the sand and tell people the problems don't exist while ghost hunters are vying for an opportunity to investigate the situation that's clearly staring everyone in the face. These are some of the reasons why I do what I do folks I mean it's it's real you know and and you think about it Nikki just imagine there was a team of people that walked with the power of God learned about your situation and went with the authority of Jesus Christ to cleanse the whole land Mm -hmm. and the activity stopped just Mm -hmm. dreaming you know how nice would that have been for intervention
2: yeah I know well, you know, and the Lord showed me some things to do. I learned, you know, and um, how's that phrase go? Necessity. How, how's that work? Necessity. You come up with things because necessity, what's that phrase?
0: I'm necessity not sure. is the
2: mother of invention or something like that. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, I learned a lot of things just out of desperation, mm. you know, and just, I think, revelation from God. I, I, I anointed my room. I took and I anointed my windows, Um, I anointed the vents in my floor, any area. I happened to have an attic um, entry in my closet. I anointed that attic entry, and I anointed my closet door, um, and that seemed to help. Now, granted, I know more now. You don't necessarily need a window or a door Hmm. or anything to get in, but that actually did help some. Um, And there were a lot of other things that happened as well just in terms of, you know, attacks and things. Creatures in the house, which um, I don't know if you want to get into this, but my parents actually owned some of it when I became an adult, okay. and admitted some of the things that they did experience, but didn't share at the time because they thought they would add to our fears, and they, you know, it, it, it was a tough call. I think they should have shared and validated, but they thought hiding it would, um, you know, help. Mm. It didn't, but.
0: Mm-mm-mm.
1: Now. I'm so sorry. I had to go through all of that. I mm-hmm. and I remember talking with Carolyn Hamlet, and you know she had similar problems. She she actually moved into a house at one point that was on an Indian bur- burial ground, the burial mm-hmm. ground. You know, never built a house on an Indian burial ground. And folks, <laughs> if you get a discount on a house that was built on an Indian burial ground, it, it's 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 a con. It, it's they're ripping you off. You will not have peace in yeah. that house. Just walk away from the yep. deal, please. Um, you know, but she would in this house, and her cabinets would be slamming open and shut, open and shut, poltergeist yeah. activity. He called the pastor of the church, and he said, oh, that can't happen. Meanwhile, yeah. the cabinets are literally opening and shutting themselves. Wow. It, it's this cognitive dissonance drives me nuts. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, for those of you that are listening to this like, oh, what do I do? We do have a prayer for cleansing the home on the bride ministry's website www.bridemovement.com under prayer resources that will help a lot Um, including instructions for anointing things go ahead nikki
2: yeah i wanted to interject just to share and some people write me and um, i don't share a lot of my personal history with people when they write but i do get a lot of emails from people that i can relate to And so to those of you out there that I have sent the evening prayer to or recommended it to, I can tell you the evening prayer is effective. It is a great prayer. Um, The power of the prayer is the fact that it's based on God's Word, and that's where the authority is. And so the prayers that Daniel writes and puts on the site are built from the Word of the Lord Himself, and darkness can't stand against the authority of the Most High. So I pray the evening prayer. Sometimes I'm lax about it. But I do pray it. And when I pray it, I find I do have very peaceful evenings. I don't have the attacks and things like I used to. Not that occasionally something doesn't happen, but I can absolutely feel it in my spirit. Uh, My sleep is more sweet. And so I encourage those of you to check out those prayers. And for that evening prayer in particular, if you are someone who um, does have this sort of activity in your home, pray it and pray it out loud before you go to bed. Thank you, Nikki. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, There's a lot that happened in your childhood. Um, We're not going to be getting into all of that today. Uh, Folks, Nikki will be back on my program. Don't worry. But we're going to be hitting several specific subjects in this first program with her because, well, they're just subjects that are ready to be talked about. And one of those subjects that I wanted to let you get into was something that you call your astral 20s. Now, before mm-hmm. Nikki gets into all of these stories, folks, first of all, I see at Bride Ministries, we don't endorse New Age practices of engaging in spiritual activity. We don't uh, teach transcendental meditation. We are not promoting astral travel as it is taught by uh you know, witches and New Agers and some of these other things. However, we acknowledge that it's real and it does happen and people have had very real experiences with this stuff. Not only that, some of the things that have been seen and perceived help us to not be ignorant of the devil's devices, which is a lot of Nikki's testimony because of the way that she was targeted and used by the dark side. And so with that said... Nikki, you really have an open floor here. I I want you to tell us about what you call the astral twenties and what was going on.
2: Okay. All right, Daniel. So it was like uh, the the haunted house years turned into the astral Um, twenties. I don't know what the gap was, but everything stopped in the house when I was about 17. Which you know we don't have time to get into all the stories, but they're numerous. And then it was like three years of peace. And at that point, I entered Bible college. Um, I felt like God wanted me to. I was getting a theology degree, which I did finish. And then I was going to go back to um, a regular university and finish my psychology degree, and I wanted to be a Christian psychologist. So, took a break from the psychology degree I was working on to get a theology degree. And so I'm 20 years old, and I can remember it was like June of my 20th year. Um, And one thing I'll say that is really interesting is that um, this abruptly stopped around June of my 30th year. So I've always felt like there's got to be something to that. How can something happen for 10 years straight, like to the month? It's just too bizarre. Um, So I have not um, received an answer on that. But um, anyway, so when it first started... I had absolutely no context to put this into at all whatsoever. I had never heard anything about it, Um, there was no teaching on it, Um, I didn't see anything in God's Word to explain it to me, and so I thought that Satan was sucking my soul to hell. That's the only thing I could think of, Satan sucking my soul to hell. So, um, What would happen is um, whenever I would start to relax, um, I would just be yanked out of my body and it was so fast I couldn't even catch it. There would be times I could sit up real quick or try to ground myself and maybe overcome it, but rarely. And to describe it to people, what it feels like, and I know some people leave from different parts of their body. Some go from their head or from their feet. Um, I always went from my chest area. So if you would imagine taking and you lay down a tarp on the ground like a tent, and you take your two fingers and you grab it in the middle and you pull it up, it, that's what it'd be like it's like something took fingers pulled it into my chest and pulled it up and it's like my back arced and I would start to pull out um and then wham my spirit was gone so but that's the feeling that it would that's the sensation so um when I would go out um I would be flying so fast um it was just like warp speed and there was no pain involved but the sensation was it was so fast it was like it would tear the flesh off of my face it's hard to explain I liken it to when you know you have oral surgery and um, you know your face is numb but you can still feel the pulling and the this and the that but it doesn't hurt it's similar to that so but I could feel it the just pulling and um, I started drawing many pictures of the things that um, I saw in the different tunnels that I would go through, which um, when this interview gets posted, those pictures will be there if anyone's interested in looking at them. But um, one of the first things that happened was I would go through, um, it was sort of like a slinky, um, if you imagine a slinky stretched out, but they were all... um, Neon geometric shapes And different colors So it would be like Triangle, square, octagon, circle Um, Sometimes it might be All triangles, all squares But some of the times They would be different shapes So it might be a triangle Then a square Then an octagon Then a circle And it would be like Stretched out like a like a slinky. Um, and the colors would be different. Maybe the, the the colors weren't the same. So it might be a yellow triangle, a blue circle. I mean, the colors were different. And I would go through those tunnels. And um, I don't know where I went. Um, usually I would always remember leaving and then I would uh, remember coming back but I did not know what happened in the middle. So that's still a mystery. I, I have some understanding at this point but still not much. So Um, that would happen nearly every night I would say at least four nights a week that happened and sometimes multiple times a night so I had a lot of insomnia at that time because I did not want to fall asleep I had no control over my own person and I could feel myself starting to relax and you could start to feel it's hard to explain like an unconscious feeling coming in a slight pull and um, like I said, sometimes I could get a hold of it, sometimes not. Um, um.
1: So, Nikki, that is fascinating. And, and the way that you're taking time to describe it, I anticipate that there are people that are going to listen to this program and say, yep, that is exactly what it felt like. Now, you mentioned different portals. By different Mm -hmm. portals, did you mean different, like you were describing, like some had a bunch of triangles while others had squares and octagons, or was that simply the shapes that are neon being one type while there were other types as well?
2: They would be straight up intermingled, so it would be one particular tunnel, and they wouldn't be straight. It would kind of maybe curve or arc in a particular angle, and it would be you know, a triangle with a square behind it, then with an octagon, then with a triangle. So um, it could be, you know, the different shapes were a part of that one single tube. Um, sometimes it would just be one single shape, like all triangles, and maybe they would be green. Um, another color that was common was like the old apple green. So like if you think of the old apple computer screens back in the 80s, um, it would be like that color and um, maybe they would just be all triangles, but it was not uncommon to have one strand that had multiple, you know, shapes in it within that line. Um, some of the coping mechanisms I developed just over time, and if anyone out there is suffering from this, um, I found that if I slept on my back or on my right-hand side, I was much more vulnerable, so I would always try to sleep on my left-hand side if I was going to sleep. And it was funny, by the time I hit, About uh, 24 years old, I discovered Borders Bookstore, and it was Mm -hmm. fairly new at the time. And I went to the metaphysical section uh, because I was just trying to find some answers. And, you know, I had talked to other Christians. They had absolutely no idea what I was talking about. And lo and behold, I found this book on astral projection. And this was a book trying to teach people to Astral Project. And it said, for those of you who want to learn, the easiest position is on your back or on your right-hand side. I remember going, oh, that makes sense. I figured that out. I don't sleep on either one of those sides. And it also said that one of the higher realms um, is the geometric shapes. And I thought, wasn't that interesting? And they said people take years of practice to get there. And I thought, well, I have never practiced and I do not even want to be there. So why is this happening to me? Um, which, of course, led me to the further questions, which lead me here today, about what opened that door. Um, Mm -hmm. But so I I began to get answers as to what that was, and then that helped. Um, Something else that's really interesting, this was before the Matrix movies uh, came out. Um, And this was in the, um, let's see, this was in the mid-90s. And um, I used to see like the running numbers that come down like the Matrix. And when the Matrix movies came out, I thought, wow, that's what I see. But I can remember seeing the running numbers coming down and like a swirling vortex open up in the middle of it and going through it. Um, Also, I was in another plane. I don't know where it was or why, but it was, everything was pink, but it was the running numbers. And there was this uh, building that I was in, and the walls were only defined by the pink running numbers down. But you could see through all the walls because they were clear. There weren't actually walls there. But, you know, all the corners and everything were defined by those numbers. So there's something to that. I mean, we know that God uses numbers, and, you know, even music, everything's mathematical. So there's something to this whole matrix business and to these numbers and, and all of this. And you know what, Nikki?
1: (laughs) I'm so glad you're bringing this up. Now, folks, I love talking with survivors because we get to have conversations like this. And, of course, I work with a lot of survivors, so I get pieces of the puzzle from a lot of different angles. And I'm just going to take a few minutes here to share some of the other pieces that have come to me involving some of the things that Nikki is sharing. One... We, in working with someone else, met what introduced itself to us as as a dominion. A dominion, you know. And dominions are described in the Bible as one of the orders of the angelic hosts or the hosts of heaven. And the dominion was basically exactly what Nikki is describing it's a as it's encountered in the spirit There are there's a manifestation of equations and sacred geometries and it is the dominion so the dominion is more of an equation that's cosmic and celestial than a you know, like two arms, two legs and a face kind of being, it, it's and God has dominions that serve him. And, um, you know, there's all kinds of things that, that go on in the heavens that it gets very, very strange. Anyway, um, when Nikki first described this to me, I, I this was during a, one of our first conversations. I was like, that is so fascinating because this is not the first time I'm hearing about the colors and the geometric shapes. This is just Fascinating. This is not an isolated description. And what you brought up, Nikki, about the laying on the side. Now is this now watch this. This is so interesting. In the book of Ezekiel, chapter four, God says to Ezekiel, You son of man, take a clay tablet and lay it before you and portray on it a city, Jerusalem. Lay siege against it, build a siege wall against it, and heap up a mound against it. So God's essentially saying, Ezekiel, engage in some prophetic acts here. I'm giving you instructions. Just just follow my lead. So he's saying, set camps against it and place battering rams against it all around. Moreover, take for yourself an iron plate and set it as an iron wall between you and the city. Set your face against it, and it shall be besieged, and you shall lay siege against it. This will be a sign to the house of Israel. So God is talking about um, portrayal of a judgment, portrayal of a siege. Then he says in verse 4, lie also on your left side and lay the iniquity of the house of Israel upon it according to the number of the days that you lie on it you shall bear their iniquity. But what, why does God tell Ezekiel to lay on his left side to bear iniquity on behalf of the house of Israel for 40 days? Nikki, there's something to this conversation about body positions while you sleep. I'm just wow, saying. that's
2: very interesting. It's interesting, in the you? Bible. Wow. Wow. Well, that's validating, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, at this point, it happened for so long. I mean, I don't, I feel like no, I don't need any validation if this is only here when I was twenty-four, right? Um, but yeah, it's nice to hear, cause it's like, okay, there's something to that, and um, you know, there's still a lot more I have to learn on that, and I look forward to more revelation as time goes on.
1: Well, in verse six, it continues and it says, when you've completed them, lie again on your right side and you shall bear Hmm. the iniquity of the house of Judah. Forty days. I have laid on you a day for each year. Very, very interesting stuff. That is. Hmm. So. That's very interesting. The last point that I want to make just in response, because you you just laid out so much, right? And uh, then we're going to get back into you. We have discovered that they have managed to create something known as digital realms. Mm. I, I can't explain it fully, but somehow they're able to use cosmic artificial intelligence, possibly linked to beast computers, although I don't know. And I I know, folks, this this is really language that's getting out there and strange. So welcome to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. They have something Hmm. known as digital realms. Mm -hmm. And so when you describe the numbers coming up and down, that's that's the first thing that I, I go to. And if you remember the movie The Matrix... They plugged people in, not into alternate realities or alternate dimensions or timelines. They actually plugged them into a digital realm. It was a computer. Mm -hmm. What were they trying to tell us?
2: I know. I've thought about that too.
1: Anyway. (laughs) What else can you tell us about your astral 20s, Nikki? This is so much fun.
2: Well, um, and some of it just involved being out of my body, period. I can remember um, waking up one time on my ceiling in my apartment and um, looking, and you know how you have those um, ceiling fixtures, you know, the bugs can get in and they can die and they lay in there. And I can remember waking up and looking, and I could see inside of that, you know, ceiling fixture and looking down to seeing my bed and thinking, oh, my gosh, and I was moving, you know, pressing against the ceiling. I was so terrified, and um, I was on the third floor, so there weren't any floors uh, between me. The third was the highest, Uh, but I was terrified. One of my biggest fears was, how am I going to get back? Because I didn't know why I was leaving or how I was leaving, Um, and so I would fight with my mind as hard as I could. I would also use the name of Jesus, and I have to say, um, it wasn't always completely effective. Um, Ultimately, God has brought me through, um, and I am still here um, and I certainly don't minimize the name of the Lord, but one thing that I have learned, and Daniel certainly correct me if I'm wrong in this, but I think sometimes people like to use the name of Jesus like an abracadabra, and, um, in the name of Jesus, and not even really understanding what does that mean, um, it's more than just saying a word, it's, the authority you're coming in. Um, there's many different aspects to what using the name of Jesus means. Would you say that's true, or is that, or am I, am I wrong with that?
1: You know, John Paul Jackson said something profound, Nikki. He said, "When you speak in the name of Jesus, what that means is that you are speaking in the character
0: of mm-hmm. Jesus."
1: And many times people speak the name of Jesus not from a position of speaking on behalf of his character, but on behalf of an attempt at the Abracadabra, the wave of the magic wand. And there is a difference.
2: There is. And um, it's not that my heart was wrong per se, um, and ultimately, God delivered me because I did always make it back to my body, and um so that 's good news um although we discovered, and that 's a different subject that you know there can be pieces of you who can be you know kept out there that 's another subject, but you know sometimes I just had to it just was what it was or i 'd fight, so i 'd push really hard in my mind and push get there, get there, you know with my own will, and just God help me and get there and um, I, then that time I did manage to fall back into my bed. Um, but it was very scary because I didn't know where I was going to go. I can remember another time going out my window. And I was flying through my parents' backfield at this point. I was in my early 20s and still living there. And the colors are really different in the spirit. It's hard to explain. They're like, um, it has, I don't want to say a psychedelic look. It's just strange. I want to say it has a purple hue almost like it's almost like you, you can see all the colors, but it's almost like you have purple glasses on. So red has a purplish hue. Green has a purplish hue. It, it, everything kind of looks like dusk. I don't quite know how to explain that, but I can remember I went out my window and I was flying through the backfield and this white spirit was coming toward me. And this thing was wispy looking. And I thought, oh, shoot, what's this going to mean? And um, it just kept flying by like it was going somewhere. It was almost like it was just it didn't have any business to do with me. It was going on its own merry way. And that kind of, um, stuck with me. And I had other experiences too that just, um, you know, made it clear that the spirit realm is alive and well. And when you're out there, it's not always about you because that spirit still would have been coming by whether I was out in the backyard or not. And so it was a really interesting experience to see that, the spirit realm has a life of its own, and it occurs. I just happened to be in it at the moment and get a glimpse of it um Another time I was taken and I was flying really fast over a cornfield, maybe about um I was billboard level. i again, I was out in the country, but there was this billboard over by a highway, however high a billboard is off of a highway um this is a shorter billboard, but I was about at the bottom edge of the sign and so they'll let me know what area, what direction I was flying. So I was flying west and um, no, actually east. Whoops. I was flying east and um, I knew I was going somewhere evil and for some sort of meeting and I was fighting it as hard as I could get back, get back. You know, I did not want to go. Um, And at that point I didn't know that people could actually, um, go to places spiritually, and and things could happen. I, I didn't have, I didn't understand any of that. In fact, I didn't even understand that until I think I met you, Daniel. I don't even know that I understood that before, but I just knew I was going somewhere, and I was expected. Um, I don't remember what happened. I'm assuming I kept going because next thing I know, it was I was back in my body, and I think maybe it was morning. But um, so, not all of it was being out. I mean, I was out in outer space. That happened fairly often. It's still very easy for me to be out in outer space. Um, Another subject is I kind of live in the spirit as much as I do the physical, so it's very easy for me to move in both realms. But just to say that even in this physical plane here, you can go places and travel because I was going somewhere literally just down the road from my house but with my spirit. Now, you know, when we
1: are getting into uh, dealing with stuff, I, 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 well, so every once in a while, you know, I'll, I'll get into it with other believers. We'll be talking about it, and they'll start asking me questions, Nikki, and I'll say, well, what have you been doing, or what has the Lord been showing you? And I'm like, well, you really want me to know? Like, do you really want me to get into what the <laughs> Lord has been showing me? Oh, yeah, Well, let me tell you about the other realms, you know, and then the the backfire is always, well, why do you really need to know about these other realms? I mean, is that really where the spirit of the Lord is taking you? It's like, well, of course it is. How can I help someone like Nikki if I Mm -hmm. can't have this conversation with God (laughs) because Mm -hmm. somehow his power has to touch this? If you're going to be set free of that you know and so we have dealt with uh, quite a few um, things and 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 realms even and uh, I'm kind of jumping here into a bit of a different conversation unless did you want to talk any more about your astral 20s before we get into another subject
2: Um, other than it was just absolutely horrible and terrifying and didn't allow for any rest. Um, mm. There's not much more to say. I mean, of course, I have a lot of detailed stories about this and that and the other, but, um, you know, I don't know unless there's a specific question. I, I don't have, a, you know, anything else to say. Mm.
0: Uh,
1: and, I, again, I'm so sorry you had to endure that.
2: Yeah. Thanks, Daniel.
1: There was a day where, and this is after we started working together, um, two angels actually came and fetched you and mm-hmm. I, I want to get into this story because it's it it touches on you know how God is moving through people on his side to deal with stuff existing in other realms. This isn't a conversation that's limited to bondage and to the devil's devices. There are things okay. that God is doing, and we were caught up into one of these big mega agendas and 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 so there there was a day where two angels came to fetch you can you tell us what happened
2: yeah um so it was at night and um the lord sent two angels to come and get me out of my bed um i was not sleeping i was wide awake and they just took me in the spirit one on my right and one on my left and um, i don't have a big descriptor of them other than um You know, maybe they were, if anyone's curious, they seemed to be maybe about, I don't know, six feet tall. They weren't, like, huge. Um, They both seemed male, Um, and um, that's about all I can say. So it didn't seem like the way they looked was necessarily significant, but in case anyone wants to know, that was as much as I picked up on them. So they took me to one realm, and that actually had to do with drug abuse that was really interesting, and then they took me, and that was in the second heaven, then they took me up higher. And they took me way up and to this other realm, which I also uh, drew a picture of. And um, that will be available and posted And if anyone wants to see what that looks like. So um, this, to me, uh, felt like the third heaven. Um, and it was pretty much right next to, you know, the kingdom of the Most High, which I know is really hard to comprehend, and I wanted to reject that as well, because, you know, who was up there except the Most High? And um, if something was going to be there, how could it be, you know, running alongside? It just, you know, flew in the face of, you know, my theology and understanding. But anyway, so the two angels, they took me there, and there was this plane, and it was a very vast, flat plane. And it looked like a checkerboard. It literally had squares on it, um, but they all had a bluish gray hue. So, you know, um, it was, you know, two colors, just like a regular checkerboard, but one may have been like gunmetal blue, and then the other one was like a darker grayish black. Um, and this plain it was almost like it was stone. Um, if you were going to do a a texture to it. So it was like a flat stone, and it had jagged edges. So it was very large, but it was, like, broken off around the edges, and so it may have been, like, you know, half of a square on here and half of there. It wasn't like a perfectly square realm with every, um, you know, checker square included. Um, There were no pawns or any pieces on there. There was nothing like that. It was just the pattern on this realm, and um, there was this being there, and he had on a gray cloak, and um, he was human-looking. He wasn't human, but kind of humanoid, and he had um, a horn on each side of his head, sort of like a ram horn where, you know, it curls and comes around the jawline, so it curls back and comes around the jawline, which the picture, I did draw a picture of him, And um, he had human-like features, and he just kind of walked up toward us, and no expression, Um, and immediately Jesus appeared, and he was standing to the right of the angel on my right. So I had an angel on my left, there was me, an angel on my right, and then Jesus appeared by the angel on my uh, right-hand side and is being walked up probably, you know, maybe four and a half feet away from me and just kind of look no expression. He didn't look angry. He didn't look anything just kind of flat. And the wind was kind of seemed like there was almost like a blowing, not strong, but you know, like the bottom of his cloak that was kind of a grayish color, you know, was longer than his feet and it kind of, you know, blew over. It was a real kind of um, stark, um, you know, like arid area, I guess you could say and um i was like who is this jesus and jesus didn't say anything and um the guy didn't say anything and i just kept wondering what am i doing here and I asked jesus who is this and jesus didn't say i even asked the creature who are you and he would not respond to me he didn't threaten me and he didn't do anything and we stood there all of us silent he looked at jesus in the face um didn't look at him with scorn or disdain Um, he just looked at him like you would look at anyone else. Um, so I was kind of amazed that he wasn't intimidated by God, nor did he feel humbled in any way. And he also was just the same size as a man. He wasn't like big, he was the same size as Jesus. And um, that went on for maybe four minutes at the most. And then um, I got no answers from anyone, then I went, I was taken back. I thought, what was that about? I asked God, he didn't tell me. And that's when I drew the pictures of everything that I saw uh, to document it. And then, um, I talked to Daniel about it. And so then Daniel, things happened. Do you want to talk about that, Daniel? (laughs) Right. (laughs) So I got an email. (laughs) (laughs) Folks,
1: my email box is really, really funny because you never know what's going to show up, you know, um, Emails from Archangels or it's pictures of this guy so, You know, it, it just, it really gets fun And so, I, I, you know, the pictures show up I'm like, huh? <laughs> and so, you know, I, I just d- do what anyone would do We'll talk about it later And when we got into our session Nikki began to describe it And what happened? Well, As she began to describe it, I was searching, you know, my, you know, myself and asking the Holy Spirit, why did Nikki see this? And, of course, it came back, oh, because I'm going to have to get involved here. I have some responsibility from God here. Here we go. Now, this was back in October, and it was... um, yeah, uh, one of those you know, just take a deep breath. Here we go, kind of moments for me. Um, so I, I'm still getting used to the fact that I have to do stuff like this regularly. I and and this was early on. I didn't know back then how regular this would become. But as she's telling me, and we're we're dialoguing about it, it's like I, I go into prayer. The next thing I know. I can feel myself spiritually transitioning with the Holy Spirit to that place. And I don't leave my office. Don't leave my, I don't even leave my body. I, I'm here in my office. I'm just on the phone. But it's like I'm there. And the atmosphere shifts. And I can feel, I can't see, but I can feel what's going on. It's very interesting. But the, the, the even more interesting thing is that because we're in session... Nikki can see what's going on. So, I mean, Nikki, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here. You actually saw me up there once I was there in the spirit.
2: I did, yeah, because um, I went back there and I was standing there and I saw you. And I was like, Daniel, you are here. (laughs) Yeah, you were there. And uh, that being... He was able to see you as well, which we just call him Checkerboard Man because we don't know who he is or what he is. But Well,
1: and I will uh, just say this because after it was after this event that I talked with another survivor who told me that they call him Checkerboard. And that was mm-hmm. where the name came from, folks. But uh, because this is not an isolated incident either, I have talked to, including Nikki, three separate survivors that have all confirmed his existence and have had encounters with this thing anyway uh, one of the, the most interesting things was uh, the way nikki described to me what i looked like when i was up there because it wasn't me it was my spirit the that may be a note story for another day um or maybe later today who knows? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, But, you know, essentially, I think you said I look like some kind of, like, blue flame or something like that. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's not as clear to me as it was then when I look at notes, like, it all comes back to me. But, yes, definitely uh, the color blue was um, prominent.
1: So this is back in uh, October, and when I got up there, I, I... I began to pray in tongues, because I was like, I don't know what to do. Nikki, what happened when I began to pray in tongues?
2: Well, that uh, being was looking at you, and um, I had the distinct impression that he understood exactly what you were saying, and that whatever language you were speaking was a language that he understood. Um, I did not have an interpretation of what you were saying, but... um, like I said I definitely got the impression that he was fully understanding what you were saying and I was actually feeling afraid so I'm thinking you know do we really want to mess with this guy I don't know who he is he you know his realm is kind of parallel to the kingdom of the Most High and I'm not quite sure how he was able to do that I obviously the Lord allowed him to have that position um, or he wouldn't be there and there is no one who is equal to the Most High so I will make that clear So he could never, you know, usurp uh, the authority of the Most High. But whatever position this being had, which we'll talk about later, has changed. Um, You know, he's not some small-scale person. So I was scared. I thought, okay, Daniel, do you want to engage this thing? And he was emotionless still. No expression, you know, nothing, just looking and listening.
1: So after I got done praying in tongues, I heard the Lord say, tell him. The dates are getting pushed back. (laughs) So Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I just said it. It was really awkward, folks. I mean, I'm not going to lie. You know, people are like, what is it like to engage the other realms? Awkward. It's weird because you're sitting there in your office on the phone talking to some cosmic being on behalf of God. (laughs) And someone's (laughs) telling you what you're doing because you can't even see it yourself. It's very strange. (laughs) I mean, it's, you know, I walk around in weirdville, folks, and, and it's like. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) the funny thing is like you know that you're going to get off of that call and get on another phone call and do it all over again like several times a day and Mm -hmm. so there i am and and i say that and, and then i began to pray in tongues again but when i after i said that and i prayed in tongues again you saw something really really strange involving the earth
2: I did, but even before then, Daniel, which I Uh think is important, which again gave me validation, and I think also gave you some validation, because like you said, you can't see over there, you just have, you sense, and then of course you can hear the um, direction from the Lord, but um, I saw him when you were talking, he just turned around and started walking away from you, and I didn't tell you this, because I'm seeing it as you're talking, and then you declared from the Lord, um, I don't know your exact words. You could probably recall it, but do not turn away from my words. Listen to what I have to say, or whatever it was. And it lined up exactly to what I was saying. He had turned away and he had walked away from what you were saying. I was like, okay, this really is God. This is really happening. Do you remember that? Yep. That part? Yeah. So it was like, ooh, okay, so this is really happening. So. Um, that really solidified it. But yeah, after you spoke that, um, you spoke another judgment over him, that's when you told him to not turn his back. Um, I looked down and I could see the Atlantic ocean and, um, it was, you know, South, it was a large part of the Atlantic ocean. I would say it went from, you know, South of, you know, like the British Isles all the way down to, I don't know, maybe it went as far as, You know, like Northern Africa or something. It's it's I can't recall it as clearly now, but a large wave came up. Um, it wasn't a moving wave, but it was almost like a peak arose. Like all the water came and a peak came up right in the middle of the ocean. That was as long north to that south position. Um, It didn't move. It didn't crash. But something arose there from the sea. So whatever Daniel had spoken had an effect there. Uh, I don't know what that was, or if it's something to come, or Maybe, you know, like, Daniel, you talk about realms under the sea, maybe it had to do with that. I mean, I don't know, but that was a really big deal, I thought. I mean, to say how high it went, it came up so high, you know, if you imagine your perspective being that high off of the earth, so I could see it coming up. I mean, if I was standing on the earth looking, I don't know how tall the wall would have been. I mean, definitely hundreds of feet. I mean, definitely hundreds, because I could see it from that vantage point, I could still see it coming up, so you know it moved up pretty high.
1: So, after that, I um, basically had to say, I and Jesus speak as one. There has been an interruption. The living water will flow. Your realm will not be omitted. That is all. Uh, Something to that effect. Mm -hmm. And um, as far as I know, I, I, I got to leave after that. It was kind of like, it was just, over.
2: That was it. We did. I left. And that was it. And I was like, hmm. I wonder how that will manifest because it wasn't really clear. You know, it didn't say this is going to happen or that. It just obviously, you know, it spoke to him. He knew and God knew, and I guess that's what mattered at that point, right?
1: Well, that's right. You know, and, and so you know, <laughs> we continued with our session. Mm-hmm. Well, folks, that wasn't the end of the story. There's more to this story, and. Um, that was my first encounter with the I didn't even know what to call it. Um, later on, I asked another survivor who had also had a, a numerous encounters with this thing. And, and I, I just asked, I said, who is he? What is he? They said, oh, that's that's checkerboard. And he's really, really evil. And he's really, really powerful. So it was like, oh, okay. And, and does he have this checkerboard realm? Yep. Does he have these nations in these boxes?
2: Yep. Oh, shoot. Yes, Daniel, we didn't talk about that. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry I mean to interrupt you, but we should probably say that.
1: Tell the people what you saw.
2: Oh, my goodness. Yeah, okay. So um, this happened – gosh, I think this happened when I went up there um, beforehand when the angels took me there alone is when I saw this. So I looked down on the earth, and um, I saw these glass boxes. So it would be like um, – like if you took ball jars and turned them upside down, but they were square glass containers. And so they covered nations. So there was one over, um, not over the entire nation of Russia, but there was one on Russia. And I don't know, um, you know, where the cities are in Russia to say, oh, it was over by Moscow or wherever it would be. I couldn't tell you, but there were a couple geographic locations where they were on Russia. I also saw... Um, some individual boxes on individual people, but I could not tell you who those people are. But that was kind of, I guess, like his pawns. And so um, there are nations and there are people that he could move here on the earth strategically. And it was just, you know, like you take and put a, a glass box over them and then you can slide them around. So I forgot about that.
1: Yep. So the, the other person that I was talking to essentially told me that – the realms, she described it as the realms called checkerboard square, are like foundations of evil. It's like a game board out of which to send puppet strings. and Those would go to the glass boxes. And um, on the checkerboard squares are written the plans of the enemy. That's what I was told. And so it just kind of added a, a whole another level of depth to what had been described to me by Nikki. And uh, then the next month uh with the other individual we went into mega war with the checkerboard realm i mean it was uh, one of the more exhausting bouts of spiritual warfare i've ever been and i about passed out after i was done with that and i was there for a long time and um it, as strange as this sound, what we were doing was destroying mirrored checkerboard realms, whatever that means. But there was a huge, huge war uh, that that we engaged in. And Nikki didn't really know about this, except I had kind of, you know, mentioned it as an aside, uh, around that time. And I was told by the other client that, you know, they were very convinced a lot of agendas had been stopped or suspended as a result of that huge war, but it was all preceded by this prophetic declaration that Nikki had been implicated in along with me the former month. It's really, really crazy. Uh, I mean, it's not crazy, but it's just hard to wrap your mind around that this actually can and does happen, especially because no one's really talking about it or teaching about how to do this. I don't get an instruction manual. It's just like, all right, here you go, just deal with it. Um, but it still wasn't over because, Nikki, we came okay. back to this in February.
2: Yeah, yeah. we did. Um, do you want me to
1: well, yeah take From my From your, okay. your perspective, what happened when we got back around in February?
2: Okay, so um, in February, um, I can't remember exactly what precipitated it, but the Lord— um took me up to heaven and um my spirit man and that was pretty exciting and um I went up and when I was up in heaven um which is in the third heaven I looked over and to my right and um there he was there that realm was I'm like ugh and it didn't seem to be very far away I mean I could see it and like I said it seemed to be on even ground I know that like I said it really I mean, someone might say that sounds blasphemous, but I'll again be clear that there is no one who has a more authority than the Most High. So, how he got this position, I don't know, but um, he, you know, it was quite high up there. And I thought, Ugh, there he is. And I thought, I don't, I didn't want to mention this to Daniel because I thought he's going to want to go over there, and I don't feel up to dealing with that. And I thought, Ugh, and I debated. I thought, okay, I'll tell him. So I told Daniel. Well, Daniel, guess what? I can see him over there, and blah blah. So of course, Daniel's like, well, let's go deal with that, and I was like, oh, yes, folks, this uh, is this is
1: all going on while we are on the phone.
2: Yeah, while we're on the phone. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, um, Daniel said, let's address this. Go ahead. I mean, what's the? How do you want to start the next part, Daniel? (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: yeah, it was, it was. You ended up speaking a judgment. I did. Um. I did speak a judgment, Nikki. God was like, it's time to throw down. Mm Mm-hmm. This is what I call kingdom warfare, folks. This is when the Most High moves to destroy stuff and wipe the floor with the devil and his crooks. And, you know, it it was not like I was looking for it. Um, It kind of just... Erupted because of you know, it, I it, Nikki yeah.
2: <laughs> I wasn't looking for
1: it. <laughs> she wasn't looking for it either. She's, you know, it's just like boom, it's a, it's there in our face, and you know God did that, and so it was just a a, a natural flow. Mm-hmm. So what the Lord essentially spoke to me is he's he said you know Daniel you're just gonna speak what I speak, and so. I began to speak the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord. And it was was just a direct judgment on his realm, primarily Mm -hmm. for this reason. It was for engaging in the interfacing of his realm with counterfeit timelines, which was outside of the purview of whatever he had received from the Most High God, if anything at all. I I don't know how all that mechanics worked, but... It seemed like he was pretty convinced he had received what he had jurisdiction over from God. And he was really upset when it was getting taken away from him in judgment. But the judgment was based on the language. It came out of my mouth, interfacing Mm -hmm. his realm with counterfeit timelines. And people are going to ask, what are counterfeit timelines? Um, (laughs) I have a few ideas. Sometimes you're decreeing things when you're moving by the Holy Spirit that you don't fully understand, but God understands. And, well, uh, that's when um, all hell broke loose for him. So, Nikki, you know, you were seeing it. You were watching this happen.
2: What did you I was watching it, and I was like, oh, my goodness. So, um, as I described his realm before, how it's flat, and it was completely flat, and, you know, and it had like the craggy kind of cracked, you know, chopped off edges. It went down, and so the bottom was kind of like, you know, like hanging pointed, jagged rocks. So it kind of came down to a point at the bottom. It was sort of like how you'd imagine like an island floating out in the middle of, you know, the ocean. Like, what does it look like underneath? You know, sort of like that, except it was up in the heavens. So, I started hearing this noise. And it was like it started lowering. Like this grinding, like just this really large, loud grinding, scraping noise. And it was, slowly, it was moving down, like, oh my gosh. And so, I told Daniel, I think you were still even speaking against this being at the same time, and I was going, wow, and it was going slowly. It wasn't like it was free-falling, and um, then he did get alarmed, and he, you know, looked up, and I don't remember what he said, and maybe I didn't hear what he said, but he took his fist up to God, hey, something. I don't know what he said, you know, it didn't wasn't some long thing, but either like, hey, you can't do this, or hey, we have an agreement, or hey, something. It was very short, but and he was angry. That's the only thing he said, but he, again, it slowly continued to go down until his kingdom was below the kingdom of the Most High. So where the bottom of the Lord's kingdom ends, um, below that is where his kingdom began. So, you know, um, he wasn't even on par or on level with any part of the Lord's kingdom, he was now officially below it. He would have to look up to see God as opposed to look across to see God, and that opened up a whole lot of trouble. Um, There was a big battle, which I don't remember a lot of that, to be honest with you, because there's just so much that we talk about, Um, but it caused his armies, wherever they came from, which they weren't on that plane. He's like alone on that plane, but they came from other places. Um, And then also ultimately, which Daniel reminded me, and um, it caused the principalities who were over in the Middle East, I saw them look up. So not the people who dwell there, but the principalities who... Um, have charge over those areas stopped or like, huh, and looked up, like, oh what are we gonna do now? It's like, you know, obviously they were getting their marching orders from him and, you know, when, you know, the head is chopped off of the snake, what's it gonna do now? So they were looking to go, ooh, who's gonna tell us who's gonna tell us now? And that was kinda how that ended.
1: You know, there there was only one last part to this and Mm. it was that God was laughing.
2: Yes, God was laughing. I saw that. I was like, "Oh." And I had never seen that before. I mean, I had seen God maybe be a little bit jovial or friendly, but it was just like how the Bible says how God laughs at his enemies. I mean, he was belly laughing. Oh ha ha. I mean, it was <laughs> it was a, it was a mocking laughing. It wasn't I mean, it wasn't a light chuckle. It was a oh, ha, ha and I It was very strange to hear God laugh. I mean, it was loud, and God was just laughing. Yeah. How could I forget that? Yes.
1: Can you believe (laughs) that God gets joy out of watching the merciless, the tormentors, and those that destroy your life and the lives of his children on this planet get justice? God actually enjoys that. People think that God loves to watch injustice. Like he in he gets something out of it. Oh God, you hate me. Oh God, you you really enjoy watching me get my just pummeled in life. It and it, it's like this view of God that he's almost worse than the devil. Some of us think the devil's his employee. He's paying him to brutalize you. <laughs> This is when you get the paradigm shift and realize that God, God gets great joy when He sees justice, when mm-hmm. justice gets enforced in its time, and according to His His own rules. Because God, the the devil cheats; God plays by mm-hmm. His own rules, and that's one of the hardest things for people, I, I think, to understand. And, and I see this all the time you know, working with survivors, there's a lot of why God questions. And a lot of it comes back to because God plays by his own rules. The devil cheats. Mm -hmm. But God, God is righteous. And that means he has to have right standing with himself. And and his rules, well, they don't bend. There's a certain way God gets things done. And um, sometimes he needs people to cooperate with him in order to get his things done, which is where we came in. We were cooperating with the will Mm -hmm. of God.
2: It was that man, it was that, I shouldn't say man, whatever he is, it was his time. Now before, you know, when we were there the first time, Daniel, you could have cursed him from high heaven and it wouldn't have done a doggone thing because, you know, our authority comes from God. And as his son and someone he has called as a great warrior, you do what your commander tells you. And without him giving you commands, you can yell all day long, right? That's right. And, but when he says to do something, holy cow, you know, like there was another example that I saw in my life one time, uh, with ministry, there was a being that I had an attachment to and, um, we spoke out in judgment to him or spoke out, you know, against him or Lord, bring justice to the situation or whatever it was, I can't remember the exact language. But um this being literally said, It's not my time and I was like, Whoa, what do you mean? And it wasn't. God was not going to cast this being down from his place. It was not his time. But what God did is he removed me from him. So, you know, if you're attached to someone Um, and it's not time for their personal judgment, then you can be removed from that being. And then because you belong to the Lord, um, then that particular creature can have no more authority over you as a child of the king. But that doesn't mean that he's still not sitting on his particular throne in his particular realm because if it's not his time to go, it just isn't.
1: Now, folks, (laughs) there's there's so much to talk about. (laughs) You know, Nikki, in the book of Psalms 91, it says, And they will tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon will they trample underfoot. And and many believers, we, we read the Bible, and we're like, yep, lion, yep, adder, yep, young lion, yep, uh, nope, nope. Moving on. What is the word dragon doing in the Bible? And, uh, of course, we we do say, okay, well, yeah, Satan's a dragon in, in the book of Revelation, but there's not a lot of conversation on why the word dragon has made its way into the Bible or what kind of relevance it has to the spirit realm, the context of the hierarchies of the heavens. What goes on? One of the first stories you told me that we still don't quite have full context for
0: Mm
2: -hmm.
1: involved a dragon.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: What did you see?
2: Well, I was in um, outer space and um, there were just tons and tons of different... um, people or beings involved I don't know who they were maybe they weren't all human I honestly don't know but um, they were in ships and um, fighting against this dragon and she was a female and she was huge she was snow white and she was huge she had scales looked just like you picture a dragon kind of reminded me of that thing from the movie the never-ending story although that thing looked like a dog you know but it was really long you know like that but this Strictly did look like a dragon, but anyway, I would say, I mean, my goodness, because these some of these ships were pretty big. She was, oh my gosh, I, I mean, I'm just guessing here. I'm gonna say maybe, I don't know, eight football uh, fields long, football length. I, I, you know, I couldn't tell you. It's hard to say because I don't have anything. When you're in like a vast area, like you know, space to compare it to. But she was way bigger than anything else, and that battle was lost, and she won. It was for a territory, I don't know, I mean, she wasn't good, I can tell you that. I don't know who was fighting against her or what it was, but um, that battle was lost. And I've seen other dragons. Um, Just recently I saw one, it was just this past week, and um, she was a queen. A queen of what, I couldn't tell you, and all I saw was just her neck. Um, And it was very, very long. Um, And she actually was a greenish color. She wasn't uh, white. Um, But I would say her neck was like maybe five stories tall, like up to her head and her face. And um, she was a queen. Of course, I made a declaration, you know, after this experience. I said, okay, you know, and when something like that happens and I have an encounter that, you know I worry that maybe I have some sort of attachment I don't want I speak it out loud and I say you know to every dimension and realm I speak this aloud you know Um, I only serve the most high God uh, you know Jehovah his son Jesus Christ and um, you know his Holy Spirit that dwells within me and I just make a declaration because I just I don't know I feel like if there's any attachment anywhere I don't want any misunderstanding and I do not I have no queen I only have a king and his name is Jehovah Um, But anyway, she is a queen of something, and she is huge, and um, dragons are real. So Daniel and I were just talking, and I've actually, you know, I can't say this is set in stone, but I'm kind of leaning toward um, the idea that um, Satan has always been a dragon. And um, when God says, you know, that old dragon, the devil, it's not because he fell from heaven and God suddenly turned him into this dragon to curse him. Um, I'll fix you. I'm going to make you a dragon. You know, I think that perhaps, perhaps he's always been a dragon and um, that's just the form that he is. And um, I know as Christians, we like to think about angels and angelic beings, you know, looking like us, you know, they have two eyes, a nose, ears, two arms, two legs. We like to make them human looking so we can relate to them. Um, But, you know, if we think about some of the creatures in the throne room of God, I mean, think of the one that has six wings and eyeballs everywhere. You know, and I've joked, you know, with Daniel and other people that if that wasn't in the Bible and you were at your house and this thing appeared in your room and said, hello, I have a word from you from God, and it had six wings four faces, eyeballs everywhere, you would be sure that it came straight from hell and you would curse it, because there's no way God made something that creepy and ugly. And I have really come to the conclusion that God's idea of beauty and art can be really different. <laughs> so I put out there then to try to have an open mind, if God can make something that looks like that, and um, it's there with His holiness in His throne room, then there's a good chance that, you know, Satan has always been a dragon, and that there is a genus of angels who are dragons. And with that being said, you know, not all the angels fell. And so then you would have to say, well, if God made a genus of angels who are dragons, then there must be some dragons who still serve the Most High. Of course, that opens up conversation too. Right? It, you know,
1: folks, it, it uh, uh, to this date, I haven't met any dragons that are serving God. But
0: mm-hmm.
1: I don't know everything. Um, yeah,
0: I gracious. haven't either. <laughs> yeah, I haven't either.
1: So, I, you, there's so many interesting questions that need to be asked, that should be asked. You're bringing a lot of them up, Nikki. Um, I want to get into one more subject before... Yes, this interview will have to come to a close at some point, folks. But I do want to get into one more subject before we wrap this one up. And don't worry, everyone that's listening, because Nikki, my administrative assistant, she's not going anywhere. She'll be back. Try (laughs) to be gentle with the emails, though. I know that after this interview, you may want to email her all your questions and... uh, (laughs) Be gentle. (laughs) We don't want her to quit. (laughs) We love Nikki. (laughs) So, you know, I want to get into your spirit. Now, one of the things that we've talked about at various times, you know, I've talked about it. I brought Dr. Rob Ruckert on my program to talk about it. It includes ministry to the human spirit. And, of course, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, that may the God of all peace sanctify you wholly and I pray that your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And many times a huge disconnect for people comes as a result of the conditions their spirit is in although they have received Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, which goes against certain Uh, assumptions, you know, uh, but nonetheless, sometimes you just have to realize you're being dealt a certain set of cards. The evidence is what it is, and it has to be dealt with according to the power of God. When we found Nikki's spirit, it wasn't in an ideal situation. And um, it involved someone named Abaddon, and so, Nikki, I, I, I just want to ask you, can, can you spend just a little bit of time talking about Abaddon and your spirit and how we found her in the dry place and what getting her set free looked like?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Um, well, first, it was very unexpected. Uh I never would have thought that I had any sort of attachment to Abaddon. It never crossed my mind. Um, And I I will get into that. But, um, you know, afterwards, when I was trying to process it, I then remembered how back in my um, 20s, during my astral years, as I call it, that um, I was approached in the spirit and asked, you know, um, if I serve Abaddon, and um i said yes only because i was afraid um this man i was really afraid of this person that approached me but um so i thought wow i had forgotten about that and i didn't know anything about it back then in fact to be honest with you at that point in my life i don't even think i had heard of that spirit's name so uh, it was strange that it came to me then but anyway so I, i found that as some validation but um yeah um somehow I was attached to Abaddon in a way that it was like a marriage, and um, I belonged to him, and we were in like a a desert area. It was very arid, and it was a desert, and my spirit was raging and bitter and hateful and just straight-up wicked, and I was afraid because Daniel wanted to... um, And, of course, this was in all of my spirit, but that's a whole other subject, isn't it, Daniel? Yes. But uh, she had to be, she had to make a choice. And at that point, she didn't really have one. And Daniel prayed. I mean, prayed in the spirit heavily. And um, a door was opened. And she was given a choice to either choose to come through and um, to serve the Most High or stay with what she had and that would be her lot and I remember being separated from it and I was like oh my goodness I was like please go please go I can remember and it was like she was crawling toward this threshold of this door to go through and at first she was really angry she wasn't even going to do it and I was like terrified because I felt like my whole life you know was in her hands because if she chose not to go then what does that mean for me um so I was like do it do it you know I was just like sweating bullets and she crawled and crawled and she did choose and it was really amazing that once she did choose and she crossed that line instantly she was changed she just wept and wept and then the sorrow came out and the loss came out whereas before then it was only hate and rage so I want to encourage people that things that seem impossible on one side um, when you get over the other side of that fence or on the other side of that line, everything is possible. It's just when you're in the middle of it, you can't imagine anything different, but I want to tell you that in the presence of God, everything is different. And so I just couldn't believe how much that changed her. Just there was healing just in the choice that she made. Anyway, uh, do you want to take it from there, Daniel? Cause then there was that other part where he decided he, you know, wasn't going to let her go that easily.
1: No, oh, no, you're doing just fine, Nikki.
2: <laughs> okay, so then later on, this, um you know, this wasn't directly after that. This was just, you know, a little bit down the road. I don't know. Was it a few weeks or was it not that long? I honestly well, don't know.
1: What happened was that after your spirit had gone through the door, she was. Oh, it was yes, like she, she was in outer okay. space, mm-hmm. and then. um there was something else that happened. And then she, it, she, she had to basically declare that she wanted Jesus and God. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when she did that, then she was taken to heaven. And yeah. it was, it was like a separation was really, really present at that point. And I remember because you were feeling nervous on the other side of the phone saying, Daniel, what am I going to do? If she's not here, I was, everything's just going to fall apart. It, Where's my glue? And it was like the Holy Spirit then was present with you and was your glue while this mm-hmm. was going on. I mean, folks, you know, some of these mechanics, I'm still trying to catch up to with my own theology. I'm, we're just telling the story. This is what happened. Mm-hmm. And the, the the word that came forth from, from God's Holy Spirit was, she'll be gone for a number of days, and then she'll be back. And it was a time of healing, restoration, rejuvenation uh and and it was necessary so so many days later she's back
0: Mm -hmm.
1: she's back and it's like you are able to see her on the inside of yourself and she's tall Mm
2: -hmm. yeah she's tall um she is probably about um and she looks like me which um, is neat, you know, some people, I mean, so it's like she is, well, she's my spirit, so she's not my core, but, you know, my life is in my spirit, you know, Um, but she, she looks like me. And um, so I'm 5'8", let's say she's like maybe, I'm going to say six foot or something like that. So she's not like some eight foot behemoth, but she's bigger than me, you know, but she looks like me. Um, And she was there. And, um, this was a safe place actually that, um, the Lord had, um, helped us create for rest and Abaddon just came busting in and he completely stomped her almost to death. I mean, there was no, I had no control of stopping it. I mean, he just completely annihilated her, um, do you, do you want to give the details
0: on that Daniel or Yeah, yeah, do you have well, to say?
2: he
1: waited until we were in session. I, I forget what the trigger moment was, but yeah, suddenly too. he shows up and he just goes to town on your spirit person. And of course, as soon as that happens, you tell me what's happening and then I go into warfare and I so I'm trying to fight with Abaddon, you know, who's trying to fight with you and um uh-huh. I mean, it stops eventually, you know, he, he does get kicked out and it's a battle. Mm-hmm. And um, after he gets removed, finally, um, then we had to again minister to your spirit because she was wounded from that horrible thing.
2: Severely, severely wounded. I mean, um, he was stomping, he stomped her down because he's big. I mean, he's not, um, I mean, he's bigger than a man. I mean, he is big. Um, I could draw a picture of him, too, mm. um, what he looks like, at least from my perspective, what he looks like. He's he's brown, and he kind of, um, kind of craggy, sort of like he, he, kind of looks like he's made, it gives me the impression of being made from, like, wood or bark, although he doesn't have bark like a tree, but the top of his head is kind of, like, jagged. It's hard to explain, but he that's how I see me he's like a brown color um but anyway yeah he completely stomped me into the ground I was bleeding and I mean I don't know how far someone can go with wounding someone's spirit but I would say she was near being killed I mean she was a mess broken Hmm. that was what happened did God take her to heaven or what happened to her I don't remember
1: uh what I remember doing after he was out of the thing and and she was really laying there wounded and and folks we're talking about Nikki's spirit so Nikki's still sitting on the couch I mean her physical body she's on the phone this is happening in the spirit realm to her human spirit Um, I remember anointing her with oil in the spirit Mm -hmm. and that anointing oil is just so super effective at bringing healing and binding up yeah. wounds. and she was like just just rolling around in the oil i was mm-hmm. so healing for
2: yeah they were slathering her there was yeah. yeah yeah rubbing her rubbing it all over her and she um was still laying there i think they put a blanket over her i think and just covered her and left her there um not for dead but just you know, like she needs some time to rest. It wasn't like she was with oil. and She stood up. Oh, I look brand new. I mean, this was a process of healing. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like a ta-da thing. I mean, it took some time. Um, She needed some, you know, time to recuperate. It was a big deal.
1: It was a big deal. So folks, you know, uh, we talk about how to deal with things in the spirit realm. Um, The oil of anointing, the living water, these two combined, um, are extremely effective at, at accomplishing healing in the spirit realm and and uh this is one illustration you know but it, and even in the bible it says you know if there be any sick among you let them be brought forth to the elders and they will anoint them with oil and the prayer of faith will save the sick and you know so this is practice even in the bible new testament old testament there's this whole thing about anointing with oil well, in the spirit, this is hugely powerful and true. Um, and and so you're just seeing that illustrated. Um, as far as I know, that was the final climax of your battle to freedom from Abaddon, Nikki. I don't think... Did you have any encounters after that?
2: No, it was done. In a way, I mean, this is kind of sick, but I think he was satisfied. He sort of felt like, yeah, well you know, it's sort of like he had to come in and put in his final punches, but um, you know, she was restored and she is fine now. And I don't believe he has any access to her at all. Um, I don't, that hasn't happened since. And I really think that that is a done deal. Mm,
1: mm, mm. Folks, uh, freedom comes with a price. It's not, it's, uh, you know, that's why I Mm -hmm. say to every survivor, including Nikki, uh, you, you are just the bravest people on the planet. The bravest people on the planet. Um, you know, Nikki, at this point, was there anything that you wanted to specifically bring up or talk about?
2: Well, um, I mean, as you know, we could have like 10,000 conversations. Right. Um, do you want... I mean, a lot of people you know, hear about um, the things that you do in the spirit and about your spirit man. In fact, I've received some emails where people actually want to hear more teaching on the spirit man because now they're interested in strengthening their own spirit man. So um, I got to see your spirit man more clearly.
1: You did see my spirit man. I did. I haven't even really seen my spirit. I've had encounters with him. I talk to my spirit. He talks to me. Uh, I've, um, I minister out of my spirit at times, but Nikki, you, you really did that you saw him, saw him. Why don't you talk about that? Because that was fascinating even for me.
2: Yeah. So, um, I, this was one evening and, um, I said, Lord, um, I would really like to see Daniel's spirit. And I said, is that okay? Can I see Daniel's spirit? So I waited there, and I'm like, you know, you know, it's up to God, right? And um, so then, um, next thing I know, um, my spirit went up into the heavens. And um, I saw your spirit. I would say, based on where he was, he was right uh, below the third heaven. That's where he was trolling, if you will. And I say that because he's out there fighting battles. So, you know, you don't fight up, you fight down. So he's got to look down and see what's down there. So, you know, he was up in a, you know, an upper position. So he had a vantage point. And so I looked up and there he was. And he was fearsome. So I'm going to say for height, he looked about, and he didn't look like Daniel at all. So you can just wipe that from, you know, your picture, for those of you who are wanting to put together an image here. Um,
1: I, I think he's a little better looking than I am. It just Yeah, so. and
2: a little more fearsome. Oh man. A little more fearsome. Okay. <laughs> uh <right>. uh. <laughs> um I'm gonna say he was at least I don't know, 10 feet tall. It's hard to say. It's hard to put things in perspective. It's like I say, when you're in space, what do you have to compare it to, a planet? I mean, you know, when you're on the Earth, you can compare it to a, a tree or a car or whatever, and, you know, it's hard to do there, but he was quite big. And he had lasers, red laser-like fire that come out of his eyes, and it would shoot. I couldn't tell you how far the distance, but really, really far. And I thought, well, do I want to get in his line of sight? Is he going to burn me up? Because... Um, I realized even though I'm in the spirit, I mean, spirit, things that happen in the spirit are really real. And people can die in the spirit and die in real life. I mean, that's a whole other subject, but that is a true thing. And um, so I thought to myself, oh, do I want to engage with this thing or what? And um, so I was looking at him for a minute. And then also his he was like, if you would imagine him with his armor on, like a plating. You can see, it was like he had a fire on the inside of him. So whereas maybe you may not be able to see all the lines on armor plating typically, I could see the definition because like there was a fire underneath the plating that kind of glowed through. So I could see the definitions like he was full of fire. And um, he also had um, many horses. He had like a chariot. So the horses were like... Oh, my goodness. And they, too, had a reddish hue. They didn't have plating on, but it was like um, they weren't made of fire. There was a solid base to them, but it was like there was a red aura out of them that was like fire. It's really hard to explain. Um, anyway, and there was probably, and they were, you know, two by two, so that's how they were on his reins, and they, I would say they were, they were at least... Um, I would say at least 10 on each side, so a minimum of 20 horses. It's hard to – I can't really remember. You know, I didn't sit there and go one, two, three, you know. So I thought, well, I'm going to go up there and take a chance. So I kind of went over to his um, left-hand side, and he was just sitting there. And I was thinking to myself, please don't burn me with your laser eyes. Uh, but there was no fire shooting out of him at that point, but they were red. And I wanted to touch him, but I thought, this might burn me. I mean, because, again, I was right up close to him, and I could see – like that fire within him and but I thought well you only live once and I thought if God took me this far you know what are you gonna do so um, I reached out and I touched his uh, forearm area like right above his wrist and um, he looked at me and he greeted me and um, he asked me if I wanted to go with him and I'm like well okay so I got with him on his um, chariot And he took off and it was like, um, talk about warp speed, I can't even tell you. Oh, he also has a whip that was very long that goes the full kind of length of the horses. So this thing is really, really long. Um, So we also had a whip. And um, Daniel, I can't remember where we went. I know you said you wanted to show me things and we went to a couple different realms. I don't remember if I got details on that. Um, when it was over, you brought me back, and I, the Lord brought me back, and I was like, "Well, wow, wasn't that neat?" I'm going to call Daniel tomorrow. Um, do you? Did I tell you where you took me? I know you said you wanted to show me some things, and we went somewhere. Do you recall I, what I, I said? I
1: don't. I,
2: I, I don't. I don't either, and that's a bummer. I know I didn't get huge details, but I remember it was pretty neat, whatever it was. Um, but yeah, so yeah, Daniel is definitely a fierce-looking warrior on the other side. He's got a powerful chariot that he will run over pretty much anything with.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. You know, you <laughs> and know, shoot fire out of his eyes.
1: <laughs> I, I, I'm glad you said it, Nikki. I, I, folks, I haven't even seen myself like this, but sometimes I just, I, I just say I, I can't really explain I was probably in the natural sleeping while this happened. Um, realistically, there there's, there comes a transition point for uh, certain people when you've gone so far with the Lord that the Holy Spirit begins to work with the human spirit on assignments in the spirit realm, independently of the awareness of the conscious mind. I... Don't know how else to say it except that I've been doing this for years now, and it's not as, it's not astral projection because I'm not it, it's literally an authoring by the spirit of the Lord, and it's done primarily according to what I would call the transdimensional nature of the human spirit. And the Bible says in Ephesians 3.10 that God would make his wisdom known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. It just so happens that my spirit is on basically permanent assignment to do that in the heavens all the time. Uh, and it's, he, he's pretty aggressive, So, which means I'm pretty aggressive. Anyway, uh, the horse is a real. I've used the horses in battle. I've actually loosed the horses on the armies of darkness and they've trampled the demons. i' I've, I've done that. Um, it's like the spiritual warfare that we do. It, it's really fun. It's just interesting. like you know we do we do things you never knew you could be could be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you, you could trample stuff with the horses. I've parked my chariot on stuff. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, and I, what, how, how do I do that? Because <laughs> I, I know I have it, I'll speak it, and it'll just be. I'll just park my chariot on something and um i you know folks anyway I think you know this, daniel mm-hmm. i think
2: i saw you in the drive through at sonic one time you were back oh, come on. like i'm going to have a slushie <laughs> uh, I, was i wrong i don't know i'm just saying <laughs> uh. and
1: that oh. <laughs> is how we discover the truth folks so <laughs> <laughs> um nikki you you you're just fantastic um I so appreciate you, not only for the brave bravery that you exhibit in continuing forward on a journey to heal from what has led to all of the trauma and, and, and bondage you've endured, but also your bravery in talking about experiences that are not easy to talk about. Um, And of course, I appreciate you so much in in how you are working with us, Bride Ministries, um, and and making my job even possible. Because if I got all the emails that you were responding to, I I wouldn't sleep. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so you are appreciated, Nikki. And uh, we're going to have to continue this conversation in a future program.
2: Yeah that sounds great and thank you Daniel and it's an honor to be a part of bride ministries. I just want to add one extra note if I can, you know for anyone who's wondering how is that possible? to be out there in the spirit you know while daniel is sleeping and for any of us and if you think about how we're seated with christ in heavenly places i mean our physical body is here so obviously we are able to be with christ jesus in the spirit and yet still be here on this earth so for anyone who is having doubts just ponder that and think about how that works and that might help you understand what we just shared
1: amen folks it's real and you know what this is the thing um Myself, many of the survivors that I work with, the things that we talk about, we're essentially forerunners. We're describing things that God wants to graduate his body into. We don't always understand everything because we're traversing territory that really has not been articulated or defined. Um, And so we're trying to have a conversation around it and begin defining it. God is going to cause his body to come to another level of influence and power in Jesus Christ. The ministry that God has does not stop on physical 3D earth. It extends into the heavens. And so with that said, folks, you've been listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. Until next time, God bless and Godspeed.
0: Discovering the Truth with Dan DeVall is the premier radio program designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program has been a production of Bride Ministries. You can find us at www.bridemovement.com At our website, you can contact us access resources, and support us with donations. We need partners in order to continue to produce our vision, which is to promote unity in the body of Christ worldwide and assist in the creation and development of sheep nations. Partner with us and be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Until next time, God bless and Godspeed.